It is really good to be with you. <laughs> um, so we have been back about two weeks now, and we have missed you. Like, just hear us when, I mean, that is from the bottom of our hearts. We missed you. You are our family here, um, and this is our home, and we really missed you. Um, and so it's really a delight to bring God's word to you. This morning you can turn uh, to Psalm 48 in your Bible. So we're, we're not quite in order anymore. Uh, so we're, we're, we're skipping ahead to 48. Um, if we keep doing summer in the Psalms, uh, maybe we'll get to 48 again in like five years or something. But uh, this, this is page 558 in the church Bible, uh, Psalm 48. Uh, listen, we were with, I think, six different churches in the 10 weeks that we were in the States, uh, and they greet you. They pray for Passage Baptist Church. Uh, they pray for you. They pray for this town and the work that God is doing here. You have, you have brothers and sisters on the other side of the planet that have a vested interest in what is going on here. Um, and so be encouraged by that. We were encouraged by that. Um, be, be, be encouraged. Uh, this is Psalm 48, I'm going to read it in its entirety. <clears throat> a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of the whole earth. Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. Within her citadels, God has made himself known as a fortress. For behold, the kings assembled, they came on together. As soon as they saw it, they were astounded. They were in panic, they took flight. Trembling took hold of them there, anguish as of a woman in labor. By the east wind you shattered the ships of Tarshish. As we have heard, so we have seen, in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, which God will establish forever. Selah. We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O God, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk about Zion. Go around her. Number her towers. Consider well her ramparts. Go through her citadels that you may tell the next generation that this is God. Our God forever and ever, he will guide us forever. Let's pray. Father, we declare that you are great and you are greatly to be praised. So Father, as we look into your word briefly this morning, we need you to speak. My words mean nothing if your spirit doesn't empower them. And so Father, would we hear from you this morning? We hear of all the ways that we can rejoice that we see in this psalm. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Do you, do you know that feeling when you come home from a long trip? We, we, we have experienced that just two weeks ago, a really long trip, and, and we're coming home. Uh, most of you know we were in the States for, for 10 weeks, like I said. We were reconnecting with churches and individuals that support us and allow us to be in full-time ministry here. But 10 weeks is a really long time to be away from your home. Uh, it's always a little awkward because people there say, welcome home. People here say, welcome home. Um, we're never sure like home is kind of, this is home. Uh, this is where our house is. This is where our church is. Um, but uh, it, it, we were away from home for a long time. 
but every time we come back home to Ireland, there's that sweet anticipation that you get. You know this, that sweet anticipation when you're going to get to your own house. Your own house, it's your own space, your own furniture. Our little ones are reunited with their toys that they've been like missing for like months at this point. And then, then you get to sleep in your own bed. That is just a sweet privilege. Uh, There's safety, there's comfort, there's familiarity, and there's joy in coming home, often. I know that's not always the case, but often that is the case. It is a safe place. It's almost as if the house itself is like welcoming you back. This is a small taste of what the psalmist here wants you to feel regarding singing this psalm, because this would have been sung. This song would have been sung. It's a deep sense of joy and comfort of coming home. The sons of Korah, as you see in the, um, the title of this, uh, we're writing these psalms as a part of, of temple worship. Uh, so this psalm is focused on Jerusalem. It, it is highlighting the presence of God in this city on a hill, Mount Zion. Mount Zion is the place where Jerusalem was built, and sometimes the city itself was called Zion. Can you imagine the glory? Can you imagine the glory of this city in the height of Solomon's reign? We, we often think, when we think ancient times, at least I do, I think ancient times, I think these are just rural farming people. And that was a lot of the case. But there were glorious cities. I mean, think of Rome. It's a glorious city in its day. Jerusalem, Mount Zion, was a glorious city in its day. It would have been a breathtaking urban center. It would have had wealth and prosperity that was there. It would have been like the hustle and bustle of the nation. The the temple of God sitting at at the city center with splendor and majesty the very presence of God himself abiding in that city. It would have been beautiful beyond words. I imagine if you lived outside Jerusalem and you had to travel in uh, for festivals, because that happened a lot, there would be that anticipation as you traveled and you were working your way to the city and you, you rise over that last ridge and you see it there, a city on a hill, knowing that this is God's city. That God is dwelling there. Mount Zion was a refuge. That God was protecting the nation. That God was protecting his people. That he was protecting your family. This song was likely sung by those traveling to Jerusalem. Longing for that refuge. And if you look down at verse 8, verse 8 is kind of the central theme of the song. It says, we have heard... As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, which God will establish forever. They have heard and seen. They they have history. They have memories. This is the city of the Lord Almighty. There's a deep-rooted history here. But they'd often forget the presence of the Lord, wouldn't they? We know the history of Israel. They are forgetful people. And so they would sing. They had a hymn book. And the songs would remind them of the truth, the reality of their present situation. 
just like the people of God in ages past needed to sing and be reminded of the joy of God's comforting presence, we too need that. You need that. You need to be reminded that God is with us and that you can rejoice and be glad over that. I want you to rejoice and relish in the glory of God's presence in your life and in this church that is secured in Christ alone. Where are you finding your joy this morning? That's a question I really want you to ask yourself. Where are you finding your joy this morning? I want to show you four sources of joy from this psalm that you can fully and completely cling to this morning if you're a follower of Jesus. Firstly, in the first three verses, we see that we can rejoice because God makes you glorious. Jerusalem here, in verses one to three, let's read it again. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain, beautiful elevation, is the joy of the whole earth. Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. Within her citadels, God has made himself known as a fortress. It's painted here as stunningly beautiful. It far exceeds the glory of the mountains of the pagan gods, like the far north. That's actually what that phrase means. There, there, there was Zaphon is what it actually is in, in, in the Hebrew. And, and it was these, these pagan cities, these pagan mountains. And, and the psalmist is saying, this far exceeds that. The glory and the beauty of the city, though, does not rest in its design. It wasn't because of the bricks and mortar. It wasn't because of the pillars. It's not the gold. I'm sure there were loads of gold in this city at the time of Solomon. It's not even because of the temple that would have dominated the skyline of this city. The beauty of Zion is because it's the city of the great king. It says in verse 3, did you see? God is in her citadels. God is there. The presence of God is what makes it beautiful. He is present. He's moving. He's actively loving his people. The Canaanites didn't have this. The gods weren't protecting them. They didn't have real gods. They were dead. They had dead gods. Only Zion is where God showed himself to be her fortress. It is on this city that God has chosen to manifest his very presence to his people. And this city was glorious because God was there. His love was upon it. Have you noticed how all parents think their babies are the cutest? Have you noticed that? It's, a, it's an amazing reality. We see other babies and we judge their cuteness based on the standards set by our own kids. But let's face the facts. Not every baby can be the cutest, except for my children. <laughs> why, though, why do we think that our kids are the cutest? Why do we do that? R right now, every mom is thinking, well, that's because my kids are the cutest. <laughs> and you're proving my point. Right? I'd say, though, I'd say that what makes us think that our kids are just the most adorable creatures in existence is our love for them. We love them like nothing else. We love our kids. It's the presence of parental love and affection that sears that cuteness 
into our hearts. And nothing else can replace it. And it was the Father's love for his people in Jerusalem that made it the joy of the whole earth. The whole earth. Believer, God loves you. He loves you. And because of his love for you, if you are in Christ, you are glorious. You are glorious. Christ is glorious and he lives in you. So if you're in Christ this morning, the presence of God in your life is glorious. It is what causes you to shine like a city on a hill. And I don't mean physical appearance. Some of you are way beyond that. Your physical appearance is just not going to get there. But the fact that Christ is in you is real beauty, isn't it? Just like God was present in Jerusalem, which made it the joy of the whole earth, Christ is present in his church, and we are a city on a hill. And we shine the glory of God to those around us. It's the love of the Father in Christ that makes us spotless. It makes us blameless. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 5. He says that Christ died for the church to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself. This is what Christ does for you if you're in Christ. He presents you to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Jerusalem wasn't awesome because of how it was built. And nothing we do Hear me, nothing we do makes us radiant. We think that. The world screams that to us, doesn't it? Do this, 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 and you will look good. It is the blood of Christ and Christ alone that makes you look good in the eyes of God the Father. Rejoice because God makes you glorious in Christ. Secondly, rejoice because God protects you. Look at verses four to seven. For behold, the kings assembled. They came on together. As soon as they saw it, they were astounded. They were in panic. They took flight. Trembling took hold of them their anguish as of a woman in labor. By the east wind, you shattered the ships of Tarshish. The kings here in verse 4, they joined forces to attack this city. But when they saw the city, they fled in terror. Why? Why did they fly, fl flee in terror? They were astounded, is what it says. They were astounded. They were overwhelmed. Trembling seized them, and they could no longer advance. Why? Because the city is a fortress. This is the city of the great king, the God of heaven. It is untouchable if he wants it to be untouchable. The city of the Lord Almighty. These kings fled, but that did not save them. Look at verse 7. It says, By the east wind you shattered the ships of Tarshish. Verse 7 says that these king, kings were, they were shattered like ships. So, so Tarshish, that's hard to say, Tarshish ships, Tarshish ships, were the greatest of all ships of their time. They were the greatest, strong and awesome were these ships. Think an aircraft carrier. And they were laid to waste. They were shattered. But by what? What shattered them? Was it, was it strong artillery? 
Was it, was it bombardment? That's hard to say, too. No. Just an east wind from the Lord, like a flick of a finger. The greatness of the Lord that we see in verse 1 protects his mountain. His mountain is a refuge. And listen, listen, what God protects holds firm. It holds firm. Are you on a firm foundation this morning? Brother and sister, God protects you. Rejoice in this. That there is no prince or king, physical or spiritual, that can ride against you and claim victory. And I'm not saying that you will never get hurt and nothing bad will ever happen. That's not what I'm saying. But in Christ, your spirit, your soul is secure. The king called doubt, it has no power over you. The king called condemnation flees because there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. The prince of the power of the air, the devil himself, is defeated. His, his lies will end. His reign will end. His influence will end. That king called sin that is just a bane of our existence, right? That king called sin was shattered on the cross. Sin has no power over you. Romans says that you are no longer a slave to sin. It is not your master anymore. God shattered the ships of Tarshish. Do you believe that he can shatter your vices? Do you believe that he can do that? Maybe you have old kings called bitterness that need to be crushed. What are you bitter about this morning? Maybe you have new kings called pride that need to be flattened. If you're angry this morning, you're proud. If you can't ask for help this morning, you're proud. If you think you know best, you're proud. If you have a critical spirit, you're proud. If you refuse to submit to God-given authorities, you are proud, and so am I. Someone has said that pride is a prison that perpetuates anger, hurt, and foolishness while keeping at bay the restorative effects of conviction, humility, and reconciliation. Maybe the king called control is rearing its ugly head at you. Do you like to be in control? Is your foundation doubt? Is it condemnation? Is it pride or control? Can you rest in the sovereign protection of God who makes you secure forever? Can you do that? Scriptures say we can. You know what the east wind does for us as believers? The east wind shattered these kings, right? Like a flick of God's finger. What the east wind now is for you as a believer? It's confession and repentance. Confession and repentance slays those kings. The king of doubt, the king of pride, the king of control. All sin is slain by repentance and confession. First John 1 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Bring your sin to the cross today, brother and sister. Bring it to the cross today and then do it again tomorrow and then do it again the next day. Repent and believe the gospel again and again and again. It's not like we just do that once and we're done. We have been called, if you're a Christian, to a life of repentance. 
and faith. It's the two steps of the Christian life. Repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. Do you know how God protects you from these invading foreign kings? Firstly, it's his word. Truth protects you. Teens, youth, do you know how you're protected? You have parents that protect you and point you to truth. Church, the elders protect you. They protect you. These are all means of God's loving protection in your life. Rejoice that God protects you. He does not leave you exposed to this world. Maybe you're not a Christian this morning. Maybe you're still dead in your sins. Maybe you have no protections. You're outside the city wall and completely exposed. Are you defying the God of heaven this morning? Are you as bold as these kings to march against him? Listen, your strength and boldness will be broken just like all other kings. Trust in King Jesus. He lived the life you can never live. He bore the wrath of God deserved for you and he rose from the dead defeating forever sin and death because in Christ even the king called death does not win. He breaks down that wall. It is supported by the righteousness of Christ himself. 1 Corinthians says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? You can rejoice this morning, beloved, because God makes you glorious. You can rejoice because God protects you. Thirdly, rejoice because you can worship God. You can actually worship God. Look at verses 9 to 11. We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O God, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. The writer here in verse 9, he moves the thoughts to the temple. The temple is the, is the center of worship for the Israelites. It's the temple that would come to mind for any ancient Israelite who was thinking about God and the worship of his name. That would be immediately what comes to mind, is the temple. We're told from verse 1 that God is great. The, the theme verse in verse 8 says that God is almighty. And here in verse 9, it tells the reader that the love of God is unfailing. He has steadfast love. The name of God cannot be more famous, is what verse 10 says. Verse 10 also says his character cannot be more righteous. The entirety of Mount Zion rejoices in the justice that God brings. Peter reminded us last week that God's justice and judgment is one of the things we should praise him for. This God who would make Jerusalem glorious and protect her from her enemies also receives worship from his people. Listen, who are you to worship God? Who are you to speak his name? Who are we to know God? It, it's like an ant being allowed to worship and serve you. What can an ant offer you? 
What, what can the ant give you that you don't already have? What can this ant bring before you that could actually give you praise? Believer, I have good news. You're not an ant. <laughs> you are not an ant. We have already established that God makes you glorious in Christ. In fact, you don't need to go to the temple in Jerusalem to worship God. 1 Corinthians says that you are the temple of God. Let that sink in for a moment. You are the temple of the living God. You, his people, it's the place, the center of worship. If you're in Christ this morning, the spirit of Christ lives in you and you can freely meditate on the unfailing love of God. The unbeliever can't do that. They are blind to that. It's not possible for them to do that. How can this be? Well, because God himself wells up these thoughts within you. He wells up worship in our hearts. You who were dead, what does he do? He makes you alive. Your heart of stone, he turns into a heart of flesh. You who were far off, he's brought near by the blood of Christ. This is our God. Do you feel bored here this morning? Do you have a poor experience of God's love? Are you underwhelmed by the grace of God? Do you not really feel like being here? Do you not really feel like singing? Ask God to make the praise of his name reach your own heart. This psalm right here, it says the, his praise reaches the ends of the earth. Surely he can ignite the heart of, that he lives in. If he lives in your heart, of course he can ignite it. His praise is the whole earth. Rejoice. God makes you glorious. Rejoice. He protects you. Rejoice that you can worship him because you are his temple. And finally, rejoice because God gives you hope. Look at verses 12 to 14. Walk about Zion. Go around her, number her towers, consider well her ramparts, go through her citadels, that you may tell the next generation that this is God. Our God forever and ever, he will guide us forever. The, the sons of Korah are imploring the people to take a tour of Zion. Basically, it's like a tour guide here. <laughs> it's like, take a tour of Zion. But why? Why should they take this tour? What purpose? Well, look at verse 13. It says, that you may tell the next generation that this is God. Verse 8, the theme, you have heard, it says. Look at it. As we have heard, so we have seen. Well, where did they hear? Where have they heard all these wonders about God and his city? Well, they heard from the previous generation, right? That's always where we hear. We hear from the previous generation. But who has seen? Well, it's this generation that's seeing. So why do they need to tell the next generation about this wonderful city if that generation will one day see it? Isn't that kind of redundant? Like, why do I need to say, 
Look at this beautiful, this city's amazing, it's beautiful, it's beautiful, beautiful. Like, but they're living in it. Like, why do I need to do that? Isn't it obvious? I think hope is the reason. We often don't see what's right in front of us, right? Or we forget what we've seen. We have a little bit of an eyesight problem, I think, as humans. So our family has a basket of memorial stones. So we've written big events, important places, uh, even individuals on stones. Uh, So this one says Tallahassee, Florida, from 2003 to 2011. That's where we lived in North Florida. Uh, This one says citizenship, 2022. That was our Irish citizenship. It was a a big memorial stone for us. Um, So we, we have a basket of these things. And every so often we get out the basket for family worship and we remember what God has done. Our marriage, the birth of each child, the churches we've been a part of. Why? Why do we do this? What's the point of that? Haven't we all experienced it? Well, Valerie and I want the next generation, we want our kids to see the majesty, the provision, the protection, and the faithfulness of God. This stirs hope in our hearts, doesn't it? Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. So when we have to move again, eventually, since we're renting our house, we've moved house about every three years for the last 20 years. So we move house a lot. And that's really not always our desire. That's just kind of what God has done. But when we have to do it again, (laughs) because, you know, we don't own the house we live in, we have hope that God will be with us because we've seen the evidence in the past and the present that God is with us. When we tell stories about my dad, who went to be with the Lord in 2019, it gives us hope for the future, and it gives strength to weather the storm of future bad news, because I have a hope that's bigger than my circumstances. Telling the next generation gives hope. Rejoice. Rejoice that God gives hope. Passage Baptist Church, walk around this body. That's kind of what the application here is. The psalmist is saying, walk around Zion. Look at her ramparts. Walk around Passage Baptist. I don't mean the building. I mean the people. That's the church, right? Consider her towers, her ramparts, her citadels. The Lord is at work in this body. You know, we could easily... And I think we're prone to do this as humans. We could easily look down at the sewers, the trenches, and the rubbish holes of Jerusalem. I'm sure in all its glory, it was probably a really stinky place in some of the boroughs of Jerusalem, right? But the psalmist encourages the singers to look up. Look up, PBC. Look up. There is glory in the bride of Christ there. There is beauty and hope and joy and what God is doing in hearts. I'm not saying ignore the challenges or the sin or the mess of living life together because you will offend each other. And that's not something that we should necessarily always ignore. But I am saying don't miss the forest for the trees. The spirits at work here. Rejoice in the God that gives hope. We should be proclaiming to one another the glories of God we see in each other. Not just so that we feel good about ourselves, but that God gets glory. So that God gets glory. I need you to tell me to press on. I need you to tell me 
that the life of faith is worth it. I need you to tell me when you see my sin. And I need you to tell me when you see God giving me victory. And we need that from each other. The psalm ends by saying, Our God forever and ever. He will guide us forever. God will guide you to the end. He will lead you forever. He will shepherd you until your death on this planet. And then he will whisk you away into new life in heaven in a moment. As we was read from 1 Peter, you have a new birth, you have a living hope, an inheritance that will not perish or spoil. You are shielded by the very power of God. Rejoice in that. I'll read 8 and 9 of 1 Peter 1 again. It says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. If you can't rejoice in the salvation of your soul, of being in the city that God makes secure forever, you'll never rejoice. I don't know what else you can rejoice in. More than that. You are glorious in Christ. God protects you. You are able to worship him and you can rejoice with hope in a future that is secure where God will guide you forever. Forever. We have a lot to rejoice in this morning. We have a lot to rejoice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you call us not to look down, but to look up. And Father, when we look up, we see you. We see all the amazing things that you have done in our own lives, in the lives of others, in this body, and you will continue to do that through the ages because you are relentless in your love. You are steadfast in your love, and we praise your name for that, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that we can know you and worship you. You are a good God. And we praise your name together this morning. Amen.